Hello again, and welcome to Crime and Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, my friend Ben Rupel. Hello again, Brian. We are a true crime podcast about people in and around the music business and their misadventures into law-breaking. We cover such topics as murder, crime, drugs, extortion. Sometimes we get into copyright laws. But uh, if you like those sort of things, please hit the subscribe button, tell a friend, go to iTunes, give us a quick review, five stars, and then say anything you want. Write it all in emojis. Let's see if we can figure that out. Oh, yeah, I know my kids would be all on them. They, they communicate with emoji. It's funny. We've gone all the way from hieroglyphics to hieroglyphics. language back to hieroglyphics <laughs> yeah. again. Hey, I, I'm on board with emojis. Why not? Yeah. If you like emojis, send us some at all of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Crime in Music. Or hit us up at our website now. It's brand new, www.crimeinmusic.com. Check out the latest and greatest going there. And if you like us, like, if, if you like us, like us, go to patreon.com slash crime and music and become a monthly supporter. Become a monthly supporter. There's a lot of cool things that go on there. Um, you get a couple extra bonuses for, for helping support the show and helping us continue to, to make these things for you guys. So I got a question, though, about the www.crimeandmusic.com. Crimeandmusic.com. Do we need, still need to say www? I really don't think we do anymore. I don't do think anymore. we do. <laughs> I mean, my grandma might. I think the people know. www.http slash slash two slashes in that. Now, just to get technical people, please use HTTPS. The S is for secure. You don't want to be browsing the internet unsecured. And uh, for the millennials I hear, wear a condom. I don't know if you know this, but two things that they just had a survey, Dr. Drew Pinsky from <laughs> Loveline came out. Uh, two things millennials do not do is, uh, one, they don't wear condoms. And then two, they actually have this this sort of syndrome where they think they know more than they do, but they don't actually do because they haven't experienced very much. Oh, screw you, dude. You know you were the exact same way at that age. You knew everything. I know everything now. So oh. that's... I, <laughs> Uh, that's why I know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, wear condoms, and you don't know everything. Yeah, pretty much, kids. Please, uh, please, you'll you'll figure it out once you. <laughs> All right. Well, that sort of uh, has absolutely nothing to do with today's topic, except for there were young kids involved. Not like that. These were young musicians and talented singers and such out in California. California, and, uh, eh? California, eh? Uh, and then we go from being. Young and on the sort of the microphone side of music to being on the twisty dial side of music. Um, it's the master, the man, the creator of the wall of sound. Who do we got? Phil Spector. Coming to the stage. All right. We, you, everybody, if you've been listening to the few, first few episodes, you knew this one was coming up. Kind of an in- interesting one, I'd say. He's not a musician. Oh, well, he's a musician. Oh. But this is not where he made his bread and butter. You know what I'm going to say, kids? We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Born December 26, 1939, Harvey Philip Specter, Bronx, New York City, New York. Uh, what was his full name? Harvey Philip Specter. So Specter is his real last God-given name. Uh actually uh we'll we'll get there. He changed it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh he's born to parents Ben and Bertha. They were first first generation uh, Jewish Russian immigrants, but uh, as Russia fell apart, it's Ukraine. So they're Jewish Ukrainian immigrants who came to New York. His dad was an iron worker. Does it have uh, the year they came to New York? Uh, it does not, actually, now that I think about right, it. Well, it was before or during World War II. I was just curious. Yeah, it definitely was during World War II. Okay. All okay. right. So um, his childhood, again, his dad is a Russian iron worker, so I'm sure he was tons of fun. Uh, April 20th, 1949, Phil's nine years old. His dad commits suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. On purpose? I guess that's suicide. <laughs> kind of the definition. <laughs> it's hard to commit suicide. <laughs> I'm sorry. As, oddly enough, dude, oh, we'll get there. It all ties around. <laughs> so uh, 1953, uh, Phil and his family, um, him, his older sister Shirley, and his mom, they moved to Los Angeles, where his mom finds work as a seamstress. L.A. to, or in New York to L.A. New York to L.A., right? I mean, you're coast to coast, so what? I don't know why people choose to do that, honestly. Well, I think especially back then, there were only a few big cities located here in the United States. At that time, I'm, I'm talking big, big cities, you know, upcoming big, huge cities. Detroit was probably already 
a, you know, at one point was one of the biggest cities. But other than Detroit, Chicago, yeah, well, that's what uh, I wondered. New how York, L.A. They skipped the Ukrainian population in half the Midwest and then just jumped to L.A., which I don't, I don't know anything about the immigration in L.A. in the fifties. But oh, I think there's a lot of Asians emigrating there. That's true. Probably again, post-war again. Yeah. So okay. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> so well, uh, Phil goes to. Um, Fairfax High School, basically. He's in L.A. He grows up as a kid. He's, he's fine. He goes to Fairfax High School in Los Angeles, California, near West Hollywood on the corner of Fairfax and Melrose. So now it's in a really desirable place. Was it um, desirable then, you think? No. <laughs> I mean, when Phil went there, it was actually known as the Jewish school. It was literally like Fairfax Jewish High School in the area. So they had a large. Right. It was pretty predominantly white. Um, since 1930s, Fairfax School was known for uh, a breeding ground for future entertainers, too, because they're right there, kind of close to that Hollywood, L.A. sort of niche. They're right in there. That um, was the work that was being handed out in that area back then. Well, right. Entertainment. No, I mean, no. and, and when you're in the entertainment business back then, it wasn't just the guy in front of the camera or behind the microphone. There were all the people supporting it, too. Oh, it, yeah. that was the business. That like, was the, it was a it was a machine. So there we're were, people... we're outside of Detroit. We're outside of Motown. We're autos and cars. That's what everybody did. Whether it was your aunt who worked for a company who supplied the paper to the auto factory, mm-hmm. or your dad who worked in the auto factory, that was their business. So Hollywood, definitely entertainment's their business. Yes, I mean that was a propaganda machine for the United States at that time, and it was a big business. Makes sense. Yeah. So check this out though, Fairfax High School. Um, these are notable alumni from Fairfax High School, and I just stuck to musicians. Um, we've got Herb Albert. These are people that went to school with, with Phil? Well, no, these are just people who went to Fairfax High School. This I, one high school. Right, like I said, since 19 th- the 1930s, Fairfax High School, Fairfax High, has been known as, like, that's where the future of entertainment's going to come from. So, we got Herb Albert, if you remember him, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Nope. Sorry. Oh, was a little Spanish flea. No. I was a little Spanish Keep a record star he thought he'd be. He heard a singles like Beatles, uh, chipmunks he'd seen on TV. Why not a little Spanish flea? It sounds like a game show. I'm it's sure. Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Yeah. If I played it, I'm sure you would. You would oh, know. we could play that, I think. It's now beyond copyright, isn't oh, it? Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> My bad, guys. Next time I'll be on this. Uh, which transitions nicely. Uh, flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Also went to Fairfax High School. Rod Gardner, L.A. Guns, and the founding drummer of Guns N' Roses. Tracy Guns, L.A. Guns, founding guitarist of Guns N' Roses. Jack Irons, drummer for the Chili Peppers. Pearl Jam, the Wallflowers. Tito and uh, Jackie Jackson, Jackson 5. Uh, Sharona Alpern, the inspiration for My Sharona by the Knack. Wow. Anthony Kiedis, Red Hot Chili Peppers. There are a lot of these people I, I recognize names. That's what I'm saying. Go to Fairfax High, kids. Eric Melvin, no effects. Played guitar and accordion. Alan Sherman, Slash, Guns N' Roses. P.F. Sloan, Secret Agent Man. Remember that? Secret Agent Man. Secret Is it secret? Agent. I knew you were going to do this, which is why I put it in there. <laughs> All right, Secret Agent Man. Hillel Slovak, Red Hot Chili Peppers, guitars, and I saved the best for last because that's how alphabetical order works. Warren Zevon. Oh, Werewolves of London. Ah, uh, uh, All right, I we grew up listening to Warren Zevon down in Scott's basement playing pool, <laughs> just listening to all the Warren Zevon we could. For anyone who knows my musical history, Werewolves of London was my official song debut in any of the band Twenty One Days, Cross Eyed Jim, any band I was in. Kirk Devane and the Bionic Dirt. I sung Werewolves of London. Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> this is terrible. I just. He was American. <laughs> I thought he was English. I'm sorry. He sung about London. It didn't make him English, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't look into his history and his past and his place of birth. I just just Warren just Zevon played pool and ate like some pizza. British and guy screwed right. around. He's like Madonna in the at Scott's house. Like Madonna's. She's British, right? <laughs> She's got the accent. She can. Sure. Yeah. Um. 
All right, so uh, he's going to Fairfax High School, surrounded by a bunch of talented mofos. Uh, in the 1958 and 59, he starts a band called the Teddy Bears. That sounds some mean. They sound like some mean dudes. Yes, Phil Spector's on guitar. Marshall Lieb is background in harmony vocals. Big goony dude who just kind of stood, boom, 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 boom. You know, just kind of stood there. Harvey Goldstein, Annette Kleinberg, she's the lead singer. She later. Gets in a horrible car accident, has a bunch of facial surgery, changes her name to Carol Connors. Uh, and Sandra L. Nelson, they brought him in. Sandy Nelson is a very famous drummer from back in the day. He's like the guy on the drums for every cool song you've heard in the 50s and 60s. Uh, he's like credited with like close to 100 top hits. I'm assuming this is a, a, at, a, at a point where the, before they've, they're young. They're in high school. They're in, yeah. 16, uh, you know? I mean... Uh, it was interesting. I watched a clip on YouTube of their, um, well, anyway, we'll get there. Uh, Harvey leads, Harvey Goldstein leads the band early on, and um, the Teddy Bears is basically like a three-piece for a while, and then they pick up Sandy, the drummer. They got their name from the Elvis song, Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear. It's a singing episode today, and I don't know why. <laughs> You're just going to town. I am. Give the people what they don't know that they don't want. So the Teddy Bears recorded a very, very famous song. To know him is to love him. You don't know the song. <laughs> Sing it, Brian. <laughs> <sighs> to know, know, know him is to love, love, All right, stop love. singing, bro. Oh, yeah, I, I, I approached that, that there, is, Did they write that? Is that? Yeah, that's Phil Spector. He wrote that song when he was like 15, 16, 17. I mean, he, he, he wrote that. They recorded at Gold Star Studios at the cost of $75. Probably a lot of money back then. I probably was a huge amount of money back then, as I mock it now. It's um, kind of a lot of money now. <laughs> I, I would like $75. That would be nice. Uh, Again, go to our Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash crime and music. Uh, they released on ERA's door label in August 1958. Took about two months to get some airplay. And then, boom, global hit. Hmm. To know him and to love him, title song was taken from uh, the inscription on Phil's dad's grave. And um, it was recorded 18 different versions over the years. Dolly Parton, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Gary Glitter. Remember him? We'll get back to Gary Glitter. Uh, Nancy Sinatra. So um, December 1st, 1958, number one on the Billboard Hot 100, selling over a million copies by the year's end. So again, December 1st. And then by the year's end, they sold a million copies. You mean in one month? It's, or one it, month in one year? No, in one month, it's how it's presented. So they, that was a hot song, man. Yeah. The group signs with Imperial Records. Um, their next single, I Don't Need You Anymore, reaches number 91, and the group disbands in 1959. One and done almost. One and done, baby. That's a one-hit wonder. Ooh, I wonder. If they were, like, one of the first one-hit wonders, probably not. No, probably not. Bach, Beethoven, those dudes all kind of had one hit. Yeah, right. Done. Somebody. After the split, while recording the Teddy Bears uh, album, Phil meets a guy named Lester Still. Um, in 1960, Lester gets Phil to work in New York City as an apprentice to Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Um, basically, there's a picture of these dudes with Elvis. I mean, these are the guys behind the boards who make hits back in the day. Are they producing, or are they like they're doing, producers? They're they're, they're t- twisting the board. They're writing songs. They're I mean, they're musicians. They're basically giant music nerds who will find a star, a pretty face, a dude who can shake his hips, and go, "Hey, come here, man!" And then, boom, they push him to superstardom. But then back back then, I think a producer was more than just. Like the Simon Cowell of the oh no no yeah yeah these guys were, were doing the involved. whole thing they were much more involved they, would they had play many instruments hats. correct I mean they, they came up with like Hound Dog and like Kansas City and all that stuff so Phil quickly learns how to use a studio I mean he becomes like a, a music nerd studio guy so now he's not performing anymore um I did say I'd go back to that so I saw a clip a three piece a clip of uh, the Teddy Bears on I believe is like perry como show or something and this girl what's her name uh nancy she was still in high school and and perry's like got his hand around her waist saying so tell me uh you kids are uh 
Normally, we'd have some coffee, but uh, I think it's milk time tonight because the kids are here. And he's just being all creepy, and she's like, uh, yeah, it's, I'm going to go back to high school, and uh, yeah, you know, it's, it was so awkward. Like, I mean, I don't think there was teen stars to that degree at that point. I think these people were like kind of, they were big, even though they lasted a year. Well, they sold a million in a month. Seems pretty good to me. So Everybody's heard that song once or twice. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, again, redone 18 different versions. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Dolly Parton did it. Now, Phil Spector, he's, he's done on that side for a little bit. I mean, he still plays music and stuff when he needs to fill in, but uh, he goes to record producer. He co- co-writes uh, Benny King's Spanish Harlem, which ends up being a huge song. He plays guitar on the Drifters song on Broadway. He produces the Top Notes original version of Twist and Shout. He produces Curtis Lee's Pretty Little Angel Eyes. And by 21, Phil's a millionaire and responsible for 20 consecutive number one hits. At 21 years old. 21 years old. Wow. I guess he, it's, it's a mix of it's who you know and what you know. He, and he, he, he obviously learned quickly. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he studied from the guys who were the best at the time, which is what, the easiest way to get to the top, right? I mean, train with the best makes you the best. And so he did this in New York, most of his work, most of the early work. Most of the early work, yeah, yeah doing studio stuff session work and all that stuff so now we hit the the 1960s and what a lot of people know phil Spector for is called the wall of sound the wall of sound the wall of sound you know what that is i'm picturing like a wall with a bunch of speakers on it see that's what i used to think too even going through bands and all this stuff coming up i was at the wall of sound we just stack up these huge speakers yeah, in a big stacks. wall and go no it's not actually it's uh it's a music production technique where the wall um you overdub a ton of musicians to make a full sound. So um, what Phil said was, is, quote, I was looking for a sound, a sound so strong that if ma- the material wasn't the greatest, the sound would carry the record. Well, well hold on. The wall of sound. What was that referring to? His, well, his, his system of making music? Or was that the name of a, a, a recording studio? Or? No, the wall of sound is his production technique. Um, okay, so, so he, he, he came up with a way to do it and, and named it the Wall of Sound. Right. What it does is um, he'd have these huge ensembles, like not <laughs> – all right, um, huge ensembles, and he had non-traditional instruments like electric and acoustic guitar. So they had both, <laughs> they had both types. <laughs> what kind of music do you play here? Oh, we play both kinds. Country, Country and, and Western. Western. Um, but no, the, that's that's the concept, is they would double it up, sometimes triple it up for a lot of the parts to create like this full big tone. So you're not just using a piano. He would get a piano, a harpsichord, an electric piano, an organ, and they would play the exact same thing. That's how the and Moody they Blues worked. Well, they're probably wall of sound people. Well, I mean, they just all sang the song at the same time. Who's singing? We're all singing. We're all singing. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Uh, 1960. Well, okay. Are you good on the wall of sound then? Yeah, got okay, it. Oh, that's... I thought. Well, I've heard that term. Right. With but, associated mean, you... with his name, I thought it was a. Actually, I thought it was a name of a like a recording studio. It I mean, might pretty, be pretty good name of a recording studio. Yeah. Wall of sound. But that was his technique. That was a technique that he would use making music. Correct, and it's indistinguishable to your ear. Like if you heard them playing, I don't even know what. Like I, I mean whatever the beatles there's some beatles stuff in there you hear him playing the beatles you're not going to know that it's a piano an organ a harpsichord a harp uh, whatever other keyed instruments there are xylophone like you know you can't you would never be able to tell it because your your brain is just over not overloaded but so full you're like man that sounds awesome well probably part of the reason that he was able to do it's just technology at the time was starting to come together oh for sure so he was on the precipice of of that technological um, all the electronics and the, yeah, and the recordings and, 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 and being able to mix stuff together with it sounding good. Semiconductors and transistors. Mm. Yeah. So he was, he was the uh He forerunner. was the guy. He figured it out. 1966, Phil produces Ike and Tina Turner's single, River Deep, Mountain High. Oh. No, you don't know he, that one either. You going to sing it? Uh, I, that one I don't actually know. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't have time. Singer. I loved it. Today's the day. We'll get there. Phils considers uh, that his greatest production to date. Like He's like, dude, this is going to be the one. It places at number three on the UK pop charts and peaked at 88 in the USA. Uh, yeah, he didn't get his number one. He, didn't, he, he liked it. Yeah, well, Phil goes into seclusion for two years. 
Do you have anything on that? What was he doing? Uh, in seclusion, <laughs> reports of strange and psychotic behavior happened during this time. He did very little for the rest of the 60s. Yeah, other than, like, dabs of acid and <clears throat> probably some other drugs. What do you do when you're secluded and psychotic? Get Dr- married! <laughs> I thought that's what you did after you got married. That'll make it better! <laughs> I don't know, I... <laughs> I think I was on the other side. Uh He gets married to Ronnie Bennett of the Ronettes in 1968. That's an American girl group from New York City. So she probably had a wicked accent. That's Boston. She probably had a cool accent. Uh, Veronica, Ronnie, was the lead singer. And uh, they had some hits. Be My Baby, Baby I Love You, The Best Part of Breaking Up. And walking in the rain. So, wait, okay. Now that I've read those all in a line, Be My Baby, one song. Baby, I Love You, another song. Two songs about, hey, we're doing good. And then the best part of breaking up, so something bad happened. And then walking in the rain because I'm sad. All right. Yeah, they, the, the whole entire timeline, it sounds like. About, Unraveled of, the Ronettes. Any, any relationship. <laughs> Pretty much. There you go. So, uh, while he's uh, secluded, he starts carrying a gun. Um... <laughs> Why not get married, carry a gun, has a cameo in the movie Easy Rider as a dope pusher. Pushing that dope. I, I've seen Easy Rider. I mean, I, I know it's a very famous movie. But I feel like I need to give it a rewatch. Oh, yeah, it's been a long Dennis time. Dennis Hopper was in there, right? Yep. That's Who was the, the other guy? guy? Um, Robert Wagner? No. Yeah, Robert Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say Telly Savalas. <laughs> Who loves you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right so no all right we got seclusion he basically does three things he mentally abuses his new wife he carries a gun and he has a spot in a movie oh uh and he had a spot as himself on one episode of i dream a genie it's my turn sing doing good so in 1969 he hits the big leagues uh, well i mean jesus he's already what year 1969 <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been I've been doing ninety sixes. That's why it's not working. Uh, rub harder. Uh, Phil falls out of a funk after he's produced George Harrison's solo album and John Lennon's solo album. They got a they did really well, and then he gets a bunch of old Beatles recording sessions and he turns that into the Let It Be album, which tops UK and US pop charts both. So so he was working with George Harrison. Oh yeah. Okay. And John Lennon. Oh, I, and a couple of encounters with Yoko. That's too bad. Um, no, I was a, I like George Harrison a lot. I thought he was always underrated. I would like a plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> if you do, please send me <laughs> a line at Twitter slash Crime and Music. No, that's a Simpsons reference of when Barney... Barney Gumble gets really famous, and uh, then oh, you don't get to win anything right now. We still have a contest for your last reference, and we have to check to see if anyone properly got that. So I think there's a beer koozie involved. So in the 70s, Phil continues to produce Lennon Harrison's solo albums. He starts uh, with the weird and reclusive behavior again, though. So he sort of vacillates between being bizarre and reclusive. That's your word for the day, folks. Vacillates. Vacillates. I thought that's what you did when you were a teenager in your room all alone. No, do not use Vaseline. That will, like, grow bacteria. (laughs) So, again, kids, wrap it up. Don't use the Vaseline for the naughty, naughty, and uh, just you take it easy. You'll be fine. And if you do want to know what to use, please write us at Crime and Music. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's kind of an expert in this area. Uh, yes. Uh, sure. I'll, I'll tell you what I know. Uh, after several months of tension, the Beatles and Phil Spector part ways. Like, this guy's weird. He's got all this Vaseline all over his hands. I'm not working with him anymore. John Lennon called him weird. <laughs> That means you're pretty weird. These are weird. So, uh, yeah, anyway. 1974, we skip ahead a little bit. He divorces Ronnie, and uh, he gets in a near-fatal car crash. Uh, Phil was thrown through the windshield of his car during the crash in Hollywood. He spent almost, uh, oh, he was almost declared dead at the scene, but they found a faint pulse, took him to UCL, UCLA Medical Center, hours of surgery he had over 300 stitches in his face and he had more than 400 stitches to the back of his head 
Wow. And uh, he's still good. He made it all the way through, a full recovery. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was in 1974. I mean, he's still wrecked. kicking out. You know, he's see the toxicology report from that one. <laughs> there weren't a lot of details. I kept looking into it. And then they allude to another car crash because it's like, Phil Spector survives two near-fatal car crashes, 74 and 75. And it's just, an airbag. I can't. I couldn't find any other car crash. I looked. I was like, Phil Spector car crash, car crash Phil Spector. And I'm reading through everything, and it just talks about the one. So apparently he was very, very much near fatally injured and lived to tell the tale. Ten foot tall and bulletproof. Well, that's, I don't think that's one of his, but I'm sure. Uh, 1979, Phil Spector produces the Ramones End of the Century album. Rumors circulate that for years, Phil would threaten the band with a gun. Didi Ramon claims Phil pulled a gun on him when he tried to leave the Ramones recording session. And then in 2008, Marky Ramon recalled, quote, they, guns, air quote, were there, but he had a license to carry. And he never held us at hostage. We could have left any time. So, uh. <laughs> it's like the wild, wild west over there. K- kinda, yeah. But it's like, yeah, he's got a gun, but no, it's cool. He's got a the CCW. He's fine. He, he, whatever. Reminds me of that old Saturday Night Live skit when they're going about lethal weapon, and they'd have like the melt, whoever's playing, you know, holding the gun in his mouth. The melt. You, I'm gonna do. It. I'm gonna kill myself instead. Phil Spector is just pointing. No, no, oh. don't go to the bathroom yet. Keep recording. Oh, that's so. Oh, dude. That sounded a little sexy, Brian. What no, not at all. Just, just, <clears throat> well, we'll get there. So, uh, yeah, apparently Phil's known for whipping a gun out in recording sessions. Like, mm, back behind the drum set, pretty boy. <laughs> pick, pick up the stick. Pick up the sticks. I said pick them up. Hey, musicians are hard to deal with. Maybe a gun is the one, best two, tool. Three, I don't four. know. One, two, three, four. <laughs> one, two. Are you dragging? Uh, it's not a waltz beat. No, I'm sorry. Now I'm skipping into other other musical movies. Uh, 1988 lawsuit. Phil sued by the Ronettes, including his ex-wife, Ronnie, for more uh, more than ten million dollars in royalties and licensing fees. That's a big amount. That's a lot of money. It is. So uh, hold on to that. 1989. He's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> in the middle of a lawsuit. Oh yeah. In the 90s. He's holed up in his Alhambra, California house. He's got a $14 million estate in Alhambra, California, USA. Um, he tries to pull it a couple, tries to pull it together a couple of times. That's not a fun phrase to miss say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the edits are going to drive me nuts on this. That's the hardest part. <clears throat> Don't edit. So what we need is a cough button. <clears throat> cough button. He tries to pull it together a couple of times. He quits drinking for, you know, like a number of years. And then in 1995, he signs a deal with Celine Dion. And then uh, he backs out saying that he's disgusted with Dion's management. They're apparently hard to deal with. Canadians. Yeah, Canadians. Wasn't her uh, husband the manager? I, th- I think I, Yeah, right. it was her husband. Uh, so, he's kind of a famous dude. Husband-wife team. I, yeah. I wouldn't want to negotiate with that either, I would imagine. So People like her. I don't get it. She could sing good. Well, however that's phrased. 1997, he's inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. That's legit. I would say. Yeah. Now, in November, at an award show in Great Britain, he referred to the Spice Girls as the Antichrist while accepting an award. I don't like that at all. You're a fan of the Spice Girls? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Spice Girls. You want to fight about it? Defend their honor? (laughs) Yeah. What was your favorite Spice Girl? I liked them all. Yeah, but which one, though? What was that little blonde one? See, it's creepy when you say, I like Baby Spice. <laughs> you can't say that. And then Mel B seems to be the only one who did anything. I mean, Posh married David Beckham, so good for her. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. They were fun. They, I liked it. Hey, I'm not above pop music. No, uh, I, I like pop music. I mean, that's kind of one of my... Any Beatles fan that says they're above pop music is a heretic. The Beatles were pop music? They were, yes. <laughs> so 2001... The Ronettes win their lawsuit from Phil uh, back in 1988. For 10 mil? No, they're awarded about 3 million. I got reports of 2.6, and then it said 3 million, then it said over 3 million. Okay, so, so. They, got, they, got, they got paid. Well, 2002, the Court of Appeals throws out the Ronettes award. And and they got o- unpaid. Orders the case back to court. Phil loses again, and now the Ronettes get royalties twice a year. Oh, 
That's probably better. That's probably better than 2.6 mil, I would say. So, <clears throat> okay. This is probably time for uh, for a break right here, man. Uh, yeah, I want to, you want to take a break? I think we should take a break. All right, everybody. Um, we're gonna take a break. You take a break. Um, do the do our does our audience have to listen to commercials while we take a break? It, hopefully, yeah. Oh. That's, that's how we get <laughs> if paid. you're listening to a commercial, hopefully we're getting paid for this. If yeah. you're not, if if we go right into this again, right. I mean, I want you to be talking about four hymns or Blue Apron or anything of that nature. Blue Apron. Oh, we'll get free Blue Apron. All right. Yeah. Blue Apron. And we're back. Well, what's all that about? <laughs> I just wanted to let people know we were back. Hi, this is Ben Rupel, and you're on the air with Hot Houses. I was thinking more like, it's a 35-foot, <laughs> it's a 35-putt downhill into a breaking green, <laughs> and, and he's gonna... going to use his upright putter. Kind of creepy the way they do talk on golf. So what'd you do with your time off, Brian? <clears throat> I sat here. And drank. <laughs> that sounds pretty exciting. I have a water and a beer, so I'll let you guess which is less full. <laughs> All right. So uh, Phil Spector, he's he's really making a name for himself. We got a junior wonderkin here, millions of bucks in the bank, knows how to write a song, knows how to produce a song, knows how to make shits in the chicken shit into chicken salad. You, you kind of see him going off the rails a little bit, and, and there are a lot of famous names that were like this dude's whack for sure but he's still he's still delivering people will put up with wacky yes. weirdness as long as you're making them money it is the music industry so right yes bunch of scumbags nah i mean <laughs> there are some out there oh we know there's some out there yeah, no it's... and they're as long as they're making bank making money man and they're helping other people make money they will put up with a lot if it makes dollars it makes sense so yo bros coming into bands just uh, holding guns at their head keep playing the guitar <laughs> <laughs> sit down and play uh oh, february okay. 3rd 2003 we're any <laughs> once there's specific dates involved uh a chauffeur contacts the police says hey get over here and they find the body of actress lana clarkston dead of a gunshot wound through the roof of her mouth through the roof of her mouth. Yeah. Uh, Lana Jean Clarkston, born April 5th, 1962. She's 41, if I did my math correctly. Uh, she was an actress. She was famous for several sword and sorcery films. You know what that type of genre is? Like Xena? Yes. Actually, she was pretty much the precursor to Xena, uh, Warrior Princess. She was in a bunch of movies, most notably Deathstalker, uh, Barbarian Queen, which apparently has a pretty aggressive... Amazonian mud wrestling. Are these TV shows or movies? These are movies. So like, get movies out. Uh, yeah. Right. It's yeah. You, why are you writing this down? Um, <laughs> Amazon Women on the Moon also Can is another I get one of her. the Netflix out. Are they in Netflix? Probably Amazon Prime. Am Amazon Prime has them. I guarantee it. That's got some weird shit. A lot of Korean stuff. So uh, yeah, she's basically um doing a bunch of snoo snoo movies. Um, and so, but uh, she was also in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and she literally peeks her face in behind Michelle Pfeiffer in Scarface. Who is she in Fast Times? A student. Oh, just a background. <laughs> okay, student. Right. So, uh, what happened? What what happened was, um, Lana met Phil while working at the House of Blues in Los Angeles, California. And after leaving in Phil's blue limousine, why they specified he had a blue limousine, so, I don't know. So her name's Lana? Lana. Who do you think? I'm Lana so Jean Clarkston. Sorry, folks. I just want to go off on a tangent Clarkson. here. Clarkson. Who do you think of when you hear of a Lana? Lana. Lana Lane. Superman. That's Lois. Oh. No, her cousin's name was Lana in Smallville. Oh, it very well may have been. <laughs> I but I'm sorry. I'm going to age myself here a little bit. Wasn't the like like in season four of Three's Company, their downstairs neighbor lady named Lana was always after Jack at the there Regal was, Beagle. There was some and she was like Tatsy girl named Lana, and she I looked think. like she was maybe fifty and wore a lot of scarves <laughs> and makeup and 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 feathered her hair a lot. Lana, Mrs. Roper? No, no, <laughs> she wore moo-moos. What? <laughs> How did that go, Mr. Roper and the 
I can't. <laughs> One guy in the world there's, knows exactly what we're doing right now. <laughs> rolling there's, his eyes. There's a man right, in Traverse City just like, oh, Jesus. Looking at the camera, rolling his eyes, just opening his mouth and making like the little gay Twitter, like dangling bell with his <laughs> Dangly pinky, All right. Mr. Rover. Um, <clears throat> it's the only way we can make light of these tragic situations. Why was Mr. Roper tragic? No, I meant Lana dying. Who's Lana dying? No, <laughs> Lana Clarkson. All right, so Lana Clarkson, after leaving the House of Blues with Phil in his blue limousine, they drove to Phil's mansion in Alhambra. Alhambra. Phil and Lana go inside. Driver, Andriano D'Souza, waits in the limo. That's what limo drivers are paid to do. Well, I, I get the feeling that Alejandro has done this many, many times with him and Phil in the blue limousine. Yo, I got a limo. I got a limo driver. He's going to know the He's gonna know the routine, okay? <laughs> yeah, if I have a $14 million estate in Alhambra and I have a limo driver, I, he's, he's hip to the deal. Wait, here. She'll be down in a minute. Yeah, you I don't got to take her that. back to wherever I picked her up from. Well, about an hour later... Andriano, I'm sorry, I'm pronouncing his name wrong. We, you know that's what Alejandro. we do. We say names wrong, and I do apologize. It's nothing personal. It's just not a name I'm familiar with. So, Andriano, here's a gunshot. Ring out like a bell. Right before Phil comes out the back door with a gun. <laughs> Phil's quoted as saying, I think I just shot her. <laughs> I, there seems like there's some doubt there because he wasn't certain so the police find lana's body slumped in a chair with a single gunshot wound to the mouth with broken teeth scattered all over the carpet broken teeth specter said specter said it was an accidental suicide and that she quote kissed the gun i bet she did i bet she did man he yeah well anyway well We'll get there. You think he was using it in like some sexual play? No. What happened is, and I didn't really include this, but I was on a, a psychology journal and somebody wrote this article about it. And he had a habit of when women, he would get these women and he'd make sexual advances, they would rebuff him and then he would stick a gun in their face and then they'd be like, oh, well, I guess so. <laughs> and so, like, he had this pattern of doing it, but he's like, you know, somehow. I don't know what Lana had to do with it other than just being at the wrong place at the wrong time, but somehow this one went a little too far. Maybe he was twitchy from drinking or drugs or who knows. And he pulled the trigger. And the trigger goes off. Or maybe she grabbed the gun and stuck it in her face and like, do it, just do it. You know, like one of those things. I don't know, but it's it sounds creepy and sad to get shot in the face. So, November. Yes, it sounds creepy and sad to get shot in the well, face. I mean, you know, a gunshot wound to the butt cheek or something like that. You're that's like, funny. Ah, that's comedy that's, gold. Seriously, you know, you can laugh about that. You got <laughs> shot in the ass. But a shot in the, like the gunshot root wound to the roof of the mouth that's the one and then teeth scattered on the carpet it's just like uh, oh. i don't even like that like, getting a shot in your mouth you know on the roof of your mouth where you gotta get your tooth worked on or something yeah and they have to put that needle through ah. dude i had for the longest time i hope nobody's eating lunch right now <laughs> eat it up fellas ladies anyone else um but no i had for the longest time issues about like dreams and i don't know if i was stressed or what but my teeth would like break or fall out or crack and it was always these super vivid dreams about it and it would just freak me out so i'm real sensitive about that whole losing your teeth thing and that whole oh getting curbed and all that stuff right ah yes you don't do that to me man (laughs) there's a story there uh ben tell us about your trip to canada uh edit (laughs) <laughs> no. November 20th, 2003, Phil is indicted for Lana's murder. Um, a year later, Phil is ordered to stand trial. He shows up to court in these crazy wigs, man. Like, there's pretty much now infamous pictures of Phil Spector with these huge blonde Afro wigs that he would wear. I've I've seen those. Yeah. That's, that's he, not what he looks like? N- well, no. If you think about it, though, the dude had, like, 700-plus stitches to the head unit, 
so he's probably trying to cover up because he is you know that's when they were publicizing trials and that's when trials yeah were big yeah media what year thing. is that 2003 so they he definitely knows that everything's on tv oh yeah well there's he, entertainment tonight there's he had one of oj's lawyers is one of the ones who posted like his million dollar bond and stuff was so. that a, the kardashian dude no it was shapiro i think it might have been shapiro but you gotta think he probably knew how to play the media i mean he knew the oh, game yeah. he was a, he no, grew up in it he, he invented it he i was just gonna say he knew how to make stars and i guess everybody was saying he was having issues being an aging dude in like the teenage game like how to sell the teenagers how to get them what's cool and so he he's getting weird man it sounds like he was weird yeah i would but say I, I like the idea of well, if you're going to suicide. trial you're coming in and out of you know your car you're going up to the courthouse everybody's there with the camera throwing some crazy freaking <laughs> wig and then if you ever get say acquitted then you can come out of it and put your regular wig on oh then and you're you not might you. not be recognized you yeah. know perception is reality that's oh my god the older i get the more that's true so all right at the trial the chauffeur adriano man i'm sorry Adriano. Uh, this the chauffeur testifies um the prosecution says phil's pulled a gun on four other women um none of phil's dna was ever found on the gun but it was found on lana's body and so September 26, 2007, the judge declares a mistrial. The jury's deadlocked, 10 to 2 for a conviction. So 10 to 2 for a conviction. Yep. So they don't have full jury, so mm. they got a retrial. So he's being uh, for murder. Right. Yes. Oh, okay. he's out, too, because during this time, <clears throat> um, I believe it's 2007, he goes to Ike Turner's funeral, and while delivering the eulogy... Phil lashes out at Tina Turner, and he said, Ike made Tina the jewel she was. When I went to see them play at Sin Grill in the 90s, there were at least five Tina Turners on stage that night. Any one of them could have been Tina Turner. And then he goes off on Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey for promoting Tina's book, which she, quote, demonized and vilified Ike. Well, so, she probably did. Didn't yeah. he beat the fuck out of her? Yeah, I'm sure you're going to hear about Ike Turner. <laughs> That's coming. There's an asterisk when I saw this, which is why I included it. So Phil Spector's a big Ike Turner fan, I guess. And the funny part is Tina was the only one signed to the record, too. Like, she's the only one who's recorded. She's the only one who sang. Ike, Ike was just there. Like, she's just the singer, though, she, Brian. <laughs> so I think it, you know, when we grew up, it was the Mad Max movie. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's right. The, the one, Thunderdome. Two go in, one come out. That's right. That's, uh. So, anyway, Phil, big Ike Turner fan, on October 20th, 2008. <laughs> I the, bet he is. The retrial begins, and this time it's not televised. So, I think that probably had something to do with the first time, too. Cause I, 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 I feel like that has a lot to do with it, because everybody's under more pressure when mm -hmm. it's being televised. Yep, every time. So, the case goes to jury on March 26, 2009. 19 days later, Phil's found guilty of using a firearm in the commission of a crime. And in May 29th, 2009, Phil is sentenced to 19 years to life in California state prison system. That's, that's not that long ago. That's pretty fresh. 2009, for, I mean, for our radio show, here it is. Nine years radio yeah. show. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, we're broadcasting. <laughs> Listen, I'll still say 8-track, too. <laughs> you probably still have an 8-track. I why. have an 8-track. I'm looking for a new uh, turntable, though. I, too, am looking for a record player, or they have this one that looks like a little matchbox car that actually drives itself around the record and plays it. I just want a regular old record <laughs> player, man. I just want to hear all the, the static and pops and some old... My dad's got a great, a great library. Vinyl sounds good, man. It, it has a sound to it. As we can see right over here, I have my own record collection. It's not very big. Um, <clears throat> all right, so Phil Spector. A bunch of Smurfs albums. Going to make fun of my record. There is a Jerry Lewis album in there, though. That's funny. <laughs> uh, so, all right, Phil Spector is in jail. Yeah. He's in jail now. Case closed. Like right now. Yeah. Oh, still now. Yeah. Where at? Uh, California. No, but here's the thing. Fols <clears throat> Folsom? The, the appeals process. This asshole goes down swinging, bro. May 2011. California denies a rehearing. August 17, 2011, California Supreme Court uh, declines to review the Court of Appeals decision. December 2011, Phil's attorney positions, uh, positions, Phil's attorney petitions the U.S. Supreme Court saying that due process rights were violated. 
and then the feds in 2012 denied that. Uh, June 2012, they appealed to federal district court. July 2013, file a petition with the U.S. magistrate to prompt action due to Phil's poor health. And then August 2015, a lawyer files a motion to, uh, to certify the case for appealability so that they can appeal it again. And then as of 2009, Phil is serving his sentence as California Healthcare Facility, California State Prison, Stockton, motherfuckers. And uh, he will be 88 years old before becoming eligible for parole. Well, he shot a chick in the face. Pretty much think he did. So, well, there's 12 of his peers that said he did. Twice. Well, 22. <laughs> <laughs> 22 out of 24. 22 out of 24. That's all. Other, that's good enough for me. You know, shit. The dentists don't have that kind of recommendations. I mean, uh, yeah. So, Phil, Phil Spector. It, he, he was one of these people I, I feel... <clears throat> Really came through the, the his his lifetime, and did wonderful things for the industry. I mean, created music, b- blazed new trails, yep. showed us new stuff, made a whole new sound, made a great a new better sound, sound on both east and west coast. Yeah, and he coast went to coast. and he went um it created some took people from nothing to made them something, then took people who were legends and made them even bigger. Oh yeah, I mean with the you said the Beatles uh. Let he, it be. Let it be album. Yep. I mean, <clears throat> that so, was just studio recording sessions, and he just twisted the dials and moved the sliders. And, and everybody's got that album today. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude. it's on my iTunes. So yeah. um, this guy did a lot of great stuff for the industry. And then the industry but then he got a little weird. Got weird. But, his, I mean, he is a product of a suicide, which I got to imagine has some effect. I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out. You can have wonderful, normal lives, but that it's something, some people can't handle that. Maybe he's a little predisposed to some of his actions. I mean, his actions before he shot the girl in the teeth. He was getting weird with guns and sticking guns in people's faces and like being reclusive and holding up in his house. Like, you don't hold up in your house. It's probably a really nice house. I mean, a $14 million mansion is probably really nice. I sometimes hold up. My, I live in Michigan. But, it's between the uh, months of um, d- the end of December all the way to March. It's called winter. Yeah. That's, <laughs> this is not a $14 million home. I don't think they have winter in Alhambra. No, they probably don't. No. Um, they got rid of that. They voted it out. They voted it out. There are going to be three states soon. So who knows? No, I'll tell you that. So. He's one of these tragic stories. It's I I, I don't want to put the spin on it. Like maybe he's just a product. Maybe I do this every single time. You do this every time. I know. Can't they bitch just be bad asshole people? Can't he just be a dick? Yeah, yeah. He's I a mean, dick. He, he's a rich asshole who's like, hey, sleep with me, and she's like, no, and he's like, boom, fuck you. I want. <laughs> Why are we making it complicated? Yeah, he shot a girl in the face. Yeah, in the face. I I feel like a lot of these stories that we hear, there's never. I like hearing that, yeah, I fucking did it. I just shot her in the face. I like hearing that. I like the closure. But he, they always say it like a question. I think I shot somebody in the face. I would love to hear that OJ thing came out a few months ago where he kind of admitted everything on TV. Oh, my God. But then he kind of didn't. If I did it, if this I did is it. how I would have done it. And then, yeah, and then he started just talking in first person. And then it was really, really scary, and then I had to run, and, you know. I would love to hear a confession from some of the people that we've, we've, we've spoke about, including Phil Spector. He's still alive. Oh yeah, yeah. He's going to be uh, eighty-eight by the time he's eligible for parole. That was my and, last little and, factoid. And he's not even that old right now. I mean, he's old. He's older than you. He's older than me. But that's what I'm saying. He 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 very well may die in prison. Yeah, he's not of well <laughs> health either, especially if he's hanging out in the healthcare facility health, yeah. of the California State Prison System. Maybe Stockton. he's. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he's uh, arranged that. I bet it's a much more comfortable situation. S- staying in a small cell compared to staying in a hospital sort of thing. I don't know. But, I would, again, I would like to hear maybe, maybe the next uh, podcast we do, we'll, we'll, we'll start putting a little thing that says, admitted to it, no, he's guilty. He admitted to it, or she admitted to it. <laughs> I like it when there's closure. I'm sorry it bugs me. I see. So you want just like the straight up, yeah, I shot him. I shot her in the face. I, 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 put, I put the gun right between her teeth, and then she closed her mouth out, blow right through it. Oh, yep. That, that shot her. Oh, uh, yeah, teeth scattered all over the carpet. Yeah, so Phil Spector, we, I, um, it, he had a, he, he, we, he went through, he was doing stuff his whole entire life, and he's still in jail. 
every time, man, they're doing so good. They're doing so good. They make some money. They get weird, and then it goes downhill. Well, that's that's I guess it's now. Now, as everybody's listening to this, please note that there are a lot of good, upstanding individuals in the music industry doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. God-fearing folks. No, right. There's good raising people. Raising families. Yeah. Donating to charity. Right. Picking up trash on the side of the expressway. Picking up trash. Yeah. We're not going to talk about those people. No. <laughs> That's boring. No. Unfortunately, we are going to talk about people in and around the music business who have committed some type of crime. So if you do have some suggestions, please let us know at Crime in Music on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us a line uh, on any one of those social media platforms. And until next time, like the song says, never trust a big button a smile. <laughs> I never have yet. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.